Hi, everyone. Today we're going to finish our series on the seven letters of seven churches uh, with the church at Laodicea. Laodicea is the only church out of all of these seven that have an entry in the English dictionary. And it comes from Christ's words to them right here in chapter 3 of Revelation. If you look up the word Laodicea in an English dictionary, you're going to find an entry defined as indifferent, lukewarm, especially regarding religion. And I just think that is so tragic because these are real people who at one point in their lives, they decided they wanted to follow Christ and they accepted him into their hearts and they even started a faith community. And all of these centuries later, we remember them as lukewarm Christians. There's so much more background on Laodicea than any of the other letters, and we only have time to kind of scratch the surface here. But last week, you might remember, I mentioned Philadelphia devastated by an earthquake. And that was part of their background to, to their letter, and we needed to understand that behind uh, the letter. Philadelphia wasn't the only city in that region that was hit by an earthquake by any means. And, and Rome helped them all to rebuild. And that was one of the benefits of being part of the Roman Empire. And so in 61 AD, a major earthquake hit a valley south of Philadelphia. It's called the Lycus Valley. And there were three major cities in the Lycus Valley, and, and it just so happens that they were referred to as the Tri-City region. I just think that's interesting. So Rome offered assistance to all three of these cities, and, and one of these three refused any assistance, and that was Laodicea. And on the surface, it just sounds so noble. You know, we don't need it as much as the other communities. And, you know, use what you were going to send to us to help our sister communities. They need it way more than we do. But that was not what was going on. They weren't being noble. They weren't being selfless. The Laodiceans were saying, we, we can do this on our own. We don't need anybody's help. We don't need any assistance they were proud. Laodiceans, they didn't want a handout. It, it was beneath them because they had a reputation. Laodicea was the capital of the Tri-City region. It was kind of like the Swiss bank of the, the area. They were known for a lot of things. One was a medical school. People would come from very far distances to train as doctors in their medical school. And, and they specialized in ophthalmology, a healing of the eyes. And they had this special ointment that they were very famous and, and it was healed people's eyes. That wasn't the only thing they were known for. Uh, they also, they, they raised this special breed of black sheep and, and it was very unique and clothes made from Laodicea with this, this special wool was just really famous and really expensive. The point is, they were totally self-sufficient. They didn't need anybody's help. There was one thing, though, that they didn't have, and that was good water. There was a river nearby called the Lycus. It was very weak as it came by Laodicea, and uh, during the summer just dried up completely. There were two water sources that were available, and one was hot and one was cold. There are downsides to both of them. 
To the north, standing up on a hillside, dramatic cliff, there was a city called Hierapolis. And it was one of these three cities. And they were very famous for hot springs. Uh, they'd spill over this cliff. It's absolutely beautiful to this day. It's, it's a tourist destination. People from all over the world, they'll come, they'll sit at this hot spring. And the Laodiceans, they actually built an aqueduct to bring water from Hierapolis down to Laodicea. There was a problem, though. By the time the water arrived, it was no longer hot. It was lukewarm. But even worse, the chemical that, that was in that hot spring, it, it was just completely unsuitable to drink. And it was used by the local medical school to make people sick. They used it to induce vomiting. To the southeast of Laodicea was the town of Colossae. And you might remember Paul's letter to the Colossians. That's, that's this other city of the Tri-Cities. Colossae, they had great water. Uh, flowed down from way up high an alpine uh, snow-capped Mount Cadmus was what it was called. And it was just cold water. It was perfect. And, but by the time it reached Laodicea, it was like 11 miles away. Again, it was lukewarm. It, by the time they piped the water in, the hot water became lukewarm. And on the other side, the cold water heated up and became lukewarm. That's the image behind Christ's words to the church at Laodicea. Now you remember every one of these letters, they have a very specific format. And I want you to listen to the title for Christ from Revelation 3.14, the church at Laodicea. The words of the Amen. The faithful, true witness, the origin of God's creation. This is a reminder that Christ is not part of creation. Uh, he is the cause behind creation. Everything, sea, sky, the water they can't control. When Christ speaks to the created, they need to listen. There should be a commendation next, but Christ has nothing good to say to the church at Laodicea. He just moves on to the condemnation. And, and there's a worth of pause here. You may have noticed at the end, end of every one of these letters, it kind of had the same formula. It says, uh, let anyone who has an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. It doesn't say listen to what the Spirit is saying to your church. These seven letters, they're all arranged in order, and it's like a courier would travel from one city to the other. It works out on a map, going from church to church to read these letters to all of the communities. And that means, as one of the original recipients, you wouldn't have just heard the message for your church. You would have heard all seven. It was intentional. So the Laodiceans, last in line, known for their egos, they hear the first six letters. They hear Smyrna and Philadelphia. They don't have anything negative said about them whatsoever. And they think, wow, those are just poor, hodunk little churches. They're small. They're insignificant. Uh, nothing like us. Christ saved the best message for last. I wonder what he's going to say about us. We're so awesome. So Christ says our letter comes from God's origin, the creation you can't get more important than that. The, the biggest, the most important title for Christ. Reserved for us because we're the biggest and most important church around. 
But rather than a commendation, they hear these words. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot. Because you're lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. You don't realize you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. These are the strongest words out of all seven letters. Think about their issue being lukewarm. It's not that the Laodiceans are struggling with keeping their passion like the Ephesian church, we remember. They lost their love. They had it first. It's not that their doctrine is an issue like Church of Pergamum. Their issue isn't moral compromise like Thyatira. They're not struggling with spiritual deadness like Smyrna was, or Sardis, excuse me. The, the Laodiceans, they're, they're, they got a lot of issues. It says pride, arrogance, apathy, complacency, but above everything, it's a lukewarm Christianity. They're not hot. They're not cold. They're just like their water. They're lukewarm. It's so easy for that to happen to a community like Laodicea. When you're that blessed, it's so easy to forget the source of your blessing, to take things for granted, to start thinking, you know, I earned this, I deserve this. And then it becomes more and more important that others know how great you are. To those who have received much, much is what? Expected. It's so easy to lose perspective when you have so much. And before you know it, you can't tell the Christians from the non-Christians. And that's the real issue going on with these lukewarm Christians. Jesus said it'd be better if they were hot or cold. Most translations say, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth, and, and they're being politically correct. The, the verb here is ameo, it's in Greek, and it's much stronger. It really says, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Just like their water, their discipleship is just disgusting. Spirituality is putrid. It's not good for anything The taste of their Christianity makes Jesus sick. Listen to 3, 15 through 17. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either cold or hot because you're lukewarm. Neither hot nor cold. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. For you say I'm rich and I have prospered and I need nothing. You don't realize you're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. That whole smug, we don't need your help, Rome. We can rebuild our city on our own. That attitude rubbed off in the local church. They're just like the rest of the city. They're, they're proud. They're arrogant. They may think they're rich and their prosperity and, you know, but Jesus says they're wretched and they're pitiable and they're poor. We've seen a lot of issues in these seven letters, right? Uh, doctrinal compromise, moral compromise, we have spiritual deadness. Out of all seven, Jesus has the harshest words for this church. The rich, proud, arrogant 
church. You know, once Jesus did say, he, he said greater things are expected from those who have more. And Laodicea is just a case study in what he was talking about. Listen to admonition 318. I counsel you, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. White robes to clothe you and keep the shame of your nakedness from being seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you might see. All their gold worth nothing in the economy of Christ. They may be famous for these clothes that are made out of this elaborate special black wool, but they need to trade up for pure, holy, white robes. The type that were worn at the time by the newly baptized. And they need a new kind of eye salve, not the stuff their city's famous for, it's not physical blindness they're struggling with. He said it's spiritual blindness. Jesus says they need to see what he sees every time they look in the mirror. Now, the Laodiceans, they get encouragement, and, and there's hope here, and that's good for them and, frankly, for us, too, because out of all of these letters, you know, I really feel this one speaks to Christians in the United States today more than any. Three 19, Jesus says, I reprove and discipline those whom I love. Be earnest, therefore, and repent. Then these famous words in 3.20, listen, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I'll come into you and eat with you and you with me. Things are bad for the Laodiceans. They're lukewarm. They're not taking their faith seriously. They're, they're arrogant. They're proud. But it's not too late. Not because of their greatness. The exact opposite, right? In, in spite of who they are, they can change. Things can change because of Jesus' greatness. Things can change because Christ loves them. You know, Jesus is all about grace. He's all about second chances. This is very good news for the Laodiceans, but frankly, it's very good news for us today. Even when we aren't faithful disciples, Jesus is a very faithful Lord. You know, a good friend will tell you when you're wrong. <laughs> they'll kind of take you aside and they'll say to your face, look, you're being a jerk here. You need to change your behavior. That's someone you can trust. That's what Jesus is doing here, right? Because he loves them. <laughs> it's like a parent who loves their child. Jesus says, I'll discipline them. Not to devastate. Not of anger or malice. But frankly, to bring them their senses. Because I love them so much. He calls for a repentance. Now, repent, we've talked about this so many times. It simply means to change your direction. It's the Hebrew verb shuv, shuv in Greek is metanoia, but in, in Hebrew, it means to turn back. From where you're going, you turn back to God. Now, the challenge for the Laodiceans, and, and I think for us, is, is that 
repentance, that life change. Because it's been my experience that repentance is not something that people who are lukewarm ever think they need to do. But the repentance, it's very different between a, a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. You know, fans, they, they tend to, to listen and kind of nod their head in agreement. Laodiceans, they need to do more than that. They need to change their behavior. You know, followers will look deep down and they'll reflect on something like this message, how it's speaking into the darkest places of their lives. And they'll do the hard work. Are you a fan or a follower? If, if being Christian was a crime, would there be enough evidence to indict you? Any of us? Are we like these Laodiceans who just settle into a spirituality of mediocrity rather than the burning passion of a disciple who wants to help change this broken, fallen world? Message to Laodiceans is the harshest of all seven, but the call to repent, you know, it's the most tender message out of all seven. I'm standing here knocking at the door. If you hear my voice, open. Open the door. I'll come in and I'll eat with you and you with me. You know, if you grew up in Sunday school like I did, chances are there was a painting on the wall of your Sunday school room. And it had this blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus, and he was knocking outside a door with no handle. Very famous painting, uh, Warner Salmon, and it was entitled Christ at Heart's Door. It's a beautiful depiction of just grace and free will in action. You know, Jesus wasn't blonde. Jesus didn't have blue eyes. But the message is amazing because he's knocking at the door. Like I said, there's no handle, no latch on the outside of the door. It has to be opened from within. The painting was inspired from this passage. Christ promises to enter if I just open the door. And that's totally true. But we miss something. This painting was inspired by a church that's filled with lukewarm believers. And the message is Jesus pictured outside of the church, not inside the church. And he's standing outside the church and he's knocking and he says, listen, I'm standing outside of your church. If you hear my voice, would you open? And I'll come in, I'll eat with you and you can eat with me. And in Greek, this is all singular. And, and there's a huge change here because Christ he moves from talking to this whole church to basically saying, if anybody hears me, and if one of you would open the door, I'll come in and I'll eat with that person. And that person will eat with me. Are there any Christians inside this church? If so, would you open up the door because I'm outside and I'm knocking? Jesus said in 320b, when the door is open, I'll come into you and eat with you and you with me. No early Christian would have ever heard these words without thinking of the holy meal. Holy communion. Breaking of the bread. Sharing of the cup. Holy communion is 
where the followers come together, followers of Christ, and he gives himself once more. And we share. Communion is, is this glimpse into the final banquet where we all share together with all of creation. We celebrate Jesus as the origin of the creation. And he says at the beginning of this letter to Laodicea. That's also, that's the promise at the end, 321. To the one who conquers, I will give a place with me on my throne, just as I conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Those who open the door and share this meal They're strengthened to conquer as Jesus conquered death. And he offers a place at the table on the throne. You know, this throne was not won by force, but by self-giving. And he offers to share it with us. Let any who hears an ear listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. And it's 2020, and Jesus is knocking. We're going to start a new series next week. I'm really excited about this. It's called One Another. You know, the phrase one another is found like over 100 times in the New Testament, and we're not going to look at all 100, but we are going to spend time looking at the ways Christ calls us to be in community, to be together, to share. You know, one of the many things that we've all missed throughout COVID, it's Holy Communion. We've been thinking and praying about this and uh, we want to next week be able to share in Holy Communion. And um, we're going to, we'll have Holy Communion here. And and we've ordered these self-contained sterile cups. And it's not the juice, it's not the bread. It's the symbol inherent. We want to offer, if anyone uh, at home, those who are watching uh, worship at home and worshiping from their, their homes, we'd like you to come and throughout the week and pick up one of these. And from Tuesday through Friday, um, we'll have them in the teen center. You can come pick them up. You can call us and arrange. We'll, we'll, we'll get them to you. We want anyone who can uh, join us in Holy Communion to to be able to have these. And, and we'll have them here in worship as well. And as one body, uh, we do want to share in this holy meal. We want to be one another. It's so important that we have these opportunities to celebrate these, these outward signs of the inward grace that God is at work. God is working through this season, regardless of what's going on. God brings us through this season. And he's given us a gift of one another for the journey. So next week, as we end our worship, we will all gather 
to celebrate the gift of the body, the gift of the blood, the gift of Christ. I hope these seven letters have been meaningful for you as they have been for me. Let anyone who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you on this day for your presence in the midst of the journey. I thank you for one another. And we offer this series and the next to you that your Holy Spirit might take these words that stem from your word and bring forth new life. Bring us out of our lukewarm Christianity. In your son's name we pray. Amen.